Welcome to Making Stacy and Ashley, a podcast where we explore topics big and small that make up this beautiful thing called life. I'm Stacy, chef, mom, and encourager of people. And I'm Ashley, a visual artist and lover of books that hopes to inspire people to add some creativity to their lives. Welcome to our third episode. We're continuing our series on boundaries. Having boundaries can look like letting people know when you need breaks or alone time, telling people what topics that you don't feel comfortable discussing, being honest about your discomfort when people offend you, or letting people know what times you're available to talk or to help out. Setting boundaries is a great foundation to build trust in a relationship. But some relationships are trickier to navigate than others. So today we're talking about how to set boundaries with family and at work. Setting boundaries with family members and coworkers can be tricky, but we have a few ideas we hope can help. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about what we're making this week. Ashley, what are you making? I'm making progress on a large ink drawing that is due for a class I'm taking. In the class, we're supposed to be talking about a memorable experience and then drawing it. And I chose to draw my big chop, which I did about 11 years ago. Okay. Um, for those of you who don't know what a big chop is, it is in, in the Black community when you cut all of your relaxed, that means chemically straightened hair, off. And I did not grow out my natural hair very much. So when I cut it, I cut it very short. I went from having hair that was probably down to my chest in length mm-hmm. to basically spiky short hair. And it's a really big deal. It's an emotional thing. It was met with some criticism because this was 11 years ago. Now you see people rocking their curls all over the place, but then it was still kind of a new, well, nothing's new we've had natural hairstyles for a long time, but um, it was having a renaissance, if you will. So that is what I've been making and dealing with. How about you? I'm making, as we just discussed, actually just, I just told her about my wacky invention that I found on YouTube, which is to replace my heavy whipping cream in my coffee with an egg and a tablespoon of butter. Now, before you criticize, go in your kitchen and try it out and then let me know how it works out, okay? Just find us on Instagram and just let us know if you liked it or if you didn't. And outside of that today, second wacky invention, I'm going to be making bread Ooh. out of egg whites. It's called an egg white loaf in the ketogenic world. So I'm super excited about that. I've made it before, but I'm gonna make it again today. It was pretty good, it was okay. I mean, it's not like, it, it doesn't taste like, like Wonder Bread, but it's good. It's passable. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's what yeah. I'm doing. For more recipes, please follow. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. She's always coming up with these interesting ideas, these keto recipes. Every time we get together, she's like, okay, I'm doing this. And I was like, eggs and butter in your coffee? Okay. <laughs> she says it's good. It's probably good. Give it a try. Yeah. I'm an oat milk girl myself. But if you're looking for something with a little more oomph, it sounds like. Right. Vegan butter. Right. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. Let's go.
Okay, we are diving into family and work-life relationships. Ashley, what are the similarities? Unlike friendships that we talked about before, a lot of people don't feel like they can walk away from family or jobs that push their boundaries. With family, there's so much history and emotional connection that it's difficult to say no when they claim they need you. With work, many people feel that the power dynamics don't allow them to set boundaries on their time or their duties. Um, what do you find similar about those relationships, Stacey? I find that people generally don't feel that they have the option to say no to either their family members or their, or their coworkers, especially if that person is their boss. And oh, so yeah. That, yeah, that makes it kind of difficult to navigate. When it comes to family, I often think about the boundaries around the holidays. Mm. There's a lot of tension then. Those dreaded conversations at the dinner table. <laughs> What would you say are the most common hot button topics that cause tension within families? Okay, number one in this time that we're living in is definitely politics first. Oh, yeah. Always religion mm -hmm. and um, your life. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what you're doing, why you're, why you're not married or why you're married to the person that you are and you shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Your weight. Yes. That's your problem. clothes, your money. Yeah. Everything that no one has any business to be talking about is discussed openly at the dinner table during Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, the big three I always see people cite are politics, like you said, religion, and money. Money can cause a lot of tension, mm -hmm. um, how much you make, the bills, et cetera. But I would add to that that lifestyle, like you were saying, is a big one. Nothing causes more tension than when a well-meaning uncle asks, what are you doing with your life and why? <laughs> you know, maybe your mom wanted you to be a doctor and you ended up driving a big rig and that's your passion. Right. <laughs> so they, right. they don't like that. They don't appreciate that. And you have to set a boundary and be like, hey, this is my life. Right. Now, I wonder if they would be more receptive if you drove the big rig and you were still able to buy your home and you know have a substantial savings and to travel the world to do all the things that you wanted to do i wonder if that would make a difference it depends on your family dynamic right. so some families are so focused on a certain way of living that they can't comprehend another way mm -hmm. especially parent child relationships Parents can, because they love their children so much, I know it comes from a positive place, but they have dreams for their kids. Right. They see their kids being good at certain things and they expect something from them. Mm -hmm. And when the child grows up and has their own opinions and ideas and follows those, and it's not what you expected, even if they're succeeding, it can be frustrating to you because you see them a certain way. Yeah. Right. So even with fame and fortune, let's say they're the most famous big rig <laughs> trucker in the world. Um, for some families, for some people, that won't be acceptable still. Mm. They might say, how do I explain this to my friends? How do I, it might, it might be a, a social right. issue. So they want to keep up the image. Right. Of having the, everyone's a doctor. Whatever it is that they decided you should be or how you should dress or what size you should be whatever they had that in their mind even if you're doing well if you don't fit i'm sure a lot of people in the audience can relate to this somebody who is plus size but has a great job 
their parents may still ride them or their aunts or uncles or sisters or children may ride them about their weight, even though their levels are fine, their medical levels are fine, and they're making plenty of money and they have a home. It still bothers them because they have a perception of what people should be. Mm. And, and so they'll the, step on that boundary. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that perception is based upon their own self-image. Oh, so I, yeah. Yeah. It's on their self-image. It's on society. There's so many different factors at play. Mm -hmm. And I love when people say, oh, I'm just concerned about your health. Well, I mean, don't you think that the person who's walking around in that body, living that experience, do you think that just because their body is presented in a certain way that they don't care about their health? I'm sure they're concerned as well. They just don't wear it on their t-shirt. I mean, to me, if you don't have the lab results and an MD after your name, <laughs> then I think you need to be quiet. Right. Okay. Well, well. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Okay. So do you think that we allow the boundary lines to blur within our family dynamic? And what is the effect that it has on, on a person when we do that? Yes. So I know my mom is probably listening, but I'm 100% uh -huh. sure <laughs> she would admit that our particular family dynamic blurs lines. I am very familiar with the phrase, I don't care, I'm your mom, <laughs> when trying to set a boundary. My example is more on a humorous level, and a lot of people can relate, but some families take this kind of thing way too far into a very dangerous and hurtful place. Let's say someone has experienced a significant trauma in their life and they need space to cope. Some families really refuse to give them that space or they don't see the trauma as a big deal or they mm. think it can be healed by spending time with them. Having your experience invalidated by family members you care deeply about can be really damaging. The best thing you can do when you have a loved one expressing a healthy boundary is to listen to what they're saying and comply. Uh, notice that I said healthy. Uh, we're not saying to turn your head if your cousin says they need to lock themselves in the attic and drink 10 cases of beer or something like that. Uh, if you notice truly unhealthy behaviors, it's probably time to intervene with medical or mental health professionals. Remember the MD behind the name. It's not, if you don't have it and you don't have the experience, go get somebody who does. But yeah, do you think boundary lines are blurred in families? Absolutely. They, I think they're blurred, one, to keep the peace. Because a yeah. lot of the times, if it's grandma saying, you know, things to you, you don't want to be, feel like you're disrespecting her, even though her opinion doesn't align with how you live your life. So definitely, absolutely, and definitely between parents. And that's because, I mean, parents are the ones who birthed us and raised us and taught us to, you know, they changed our diapers and cared for us. And then they're mm -hmm. the ones who taught us to walk and to write and to speak and all of those things. And so it can be difficult because you don't want to, you don't want to disappoint them and you don't want them to make them feel less than um, by stating their opinion. Right. So which family relationship do you think is most difficult to navigate and why? Parent parent relationships are the ones that are the most difficult to, to navigate because 
they see you as, I mean, you come out of the womb and, mm -hmm. you know, here's little Ashley and little Ashley at five is still, even though they're interacting with the, you know, 30 plus year old Ashley, when they're looking at you, they see the little, little Ashley when she took her first steps. And it's hard. So sometimes I think it's hard for parents to let go of that um, caring aspect, that nurturing aspect of the relationship. And it kind of rubs us the wrong way at mm -hmm. times when we think that we know what's best for you when in reality it's your life and how you live it and what the choices that you make are your own so that that can be really difficult and it can put a strain especially if the parent refuses to step back you're a parent yes so have you experienced this in real time do you feel like you have a hard time accepting your kids boundaries or do you feel like they have a hard time respecting yours ever absolutely yeah let's just talk about the, the other side i mean people are people i've learned to allow especially my adult son to be his own person i, don't, I mean i don't have a choice i'm i can't control his life but on the other side of that i think that we as children tend to see our parents just as mom and dad yes. not as people and so my, it's like, I'm so in, in a child's eyes, adult child or otherwise, it's like, I'm supposed to be on call 24 seven for the rest of my life. This is my job. This is my role. I don't have a life outside of that. So when I need it, I'm expected to just fall in and to comply. Right. And that, that's difficult because when you say no, you have to go around several times to enforce that boundary because they'll continue to ask the question in a thousand different ways, like we talked about it the last, on the last episode, until they get the yes that they're looking for. Right. Yeah, so that's difficult. Yeah, um, I agree with you that it's parents and children, no matter the age. Um, I bristle when my mom tries to cross my boundaries, and I understand that she sees me as a child, no matter how old I get. But I also see my mom get annoyed when my grandmother ignores her boundaries. And I can see that my grandma sees her as a child, no matter how old she gets. So it's something that through the generations, parents experience and children experience. When you're a parent, you learn to gradually accept the boundaries your children start erecting as they grow into adulthood. On the flip side, when you've spent the majority of your life with a parent caring for you, you learn to expect them to drop everything for you, like you were saying, and that's crossing a boundary. And parents need space too, and they can't be available 24 seven, like you said, and many adults refuse to hear no from their parents, even though they are adults and they should be able to navigate certain aspects of their lives on their own. And so uh, something for our listeners to think about is that dynamic in their own life. Are, if you have children, are you pushing their boundaries because of a sense that they're still children in your eyes, no matter their age? And are there ways that you could find out what their boundaries are and maybe take a step back? And on the flip side, if you're um, a parent or you're a child, like, are you asking your parents a little too much as an adult? Are there things that you can solve on your own? How often do you call mom and dad? when you're confused about something? Is this something that you could actually handle? It takes practice, but I would definitely suggest reflecting on your own lives. 
Right. And two, um, speaking about parents and children, I think starting early, letting your kids, you know, establishing boundaries when they're young, because children, I mean, they're, you know, they're just kind of free spirit and they don't really think about things, but they'll just, you know, walk into a room, walk in, you know, just walk into the room. You could be standing there, you know, just having gotten out of the shower. It's like, they don't, they don't understand that you do, you do require space to have, you know, right. <laughs> your own space. So that's, I think it would be important to start that early so that when they get older, something will at least have been established that you can enforce. And then obviously those boundaries have to be um, revisited and reevaluated as we move along in right. stages of our life. So definitely. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, do you think, well, I think that a lot of the reasons that parent children get pushed back from their parents is because their parents, or I'll just say me, I'll just use me. As okay. It's <laughs> a radical concept now. So follow okay. me. Okay. Listeners follow us. Okay. Parenting is about nurturing, giving, sacrificing. And I wonder if a lot of times do we equate our sacrifice as needing to have a payoff. And so I've sacrificed my entire life and I want my kid to be a doctor. They mm -hmm. grow up and they become a chef. Mm -hmm. And I'm upset because I don't feel like my investment, I didn't get my return on investment. What do you think about that? I think that a lot of parents think of it that way, even if it's subconscious. I think that's the wrong way to think about it. That is the messy thing about having a human being. When your child is born, they're a human being with their own thoughts and feelings that are going to develop. Your investment in them is more so that they can thrive in their own terms or on their own terms, not so they can thrive on your terms. And that is difficult for people to understand. And that's because they weren't raised that way. A lot of parents are parroting what their parents taught them. And so they think they're doing the right thing by shepherding a child into a certain lifestyle, not just their job, but how they live and what the, what the elements of success are. And so I'm not criticizing parents about that, but there definitely has to be a, a rethinking of this idea that your kids have to pay you back mm. for being born. Mm. Because yeah, it's even in our phrases, I gave you life and I could take it away. You've heard that before, like things like that, where there people are just mouthing off, they don't mean it. Right. But even those silly little phrases reflect a greater cultural idea that you owe your parents something for being alive. And it's not about owing, it's just about loving each other. Right. It's not a debt, it's not a transactional relationship between you and your child. It shouldn't be that way. And you shouldn't get your self-worth as a parent from your child doing exactly what you expected them to do. It doesn't mean you're a bad parent if that's what you're thinking because your kid took a different path. Your job was to make sure that when they choose a different path that they're being wise, they're using their resources, they're being safe, they're being kind to others. If you establish that in a child, then you've done a great job. 
Absolutely. I agree. That's the best. That, that is the payoff. That's the payoff. Yeah. They go out into the world and they're just good people and they're living well, they're living their lives exactly as they want to. And they're happy. Yes. That's it. That's all you can, that's all you can ask for that. That should be the reward that you receive. Well, the pandemic has changed the way that we relate to to one another for sure. And many people have opted to spend more time away from their family to avoid the confusion of the past. Is this healthy? And what would you say would be a better alternative? This, again, depends on your family and your circumstances. Some families are truly toxic. They're abusive, they're destructive, and they can be a serious danger to your mental health. As hard as it is to do, creating space or even ending these relationships might be the safest thing for you to do. But if things are more annoying with your family than dire, I think opening communication about your needs will help make it easier to spend time together. Have a one-on-one talk with the family member that you think is not respecting your boundaries and explain to them why the boundaries are important to you. And I think this is key. Don't make it a one-sided conversation. We kind of talked about this in the last episode. Ask them about their boundaries. Getting them to open up about their needs may help them see the importance of your own. And conversations like these could even deepen what's already a deep relationship. I agree. And because for me, it's like, I don't, I don't like confrontation. Mm -hmm. And there are some families who you can't really, some people, some family members that you can't really have that kind of conversation with. And those are the, that's what concerns me. And I don't really have an answer um, because there are certain people that you just cannot have conversations like that with. So I'm still workshopping that part. Yeah, that's why I think it's all about, every family is different. So there are some, I'll, I'll use my family as an example. My family is extremely open inside the family. Somebody else might think that it's boundary crossing because we're just sharing and freestyling. I remember my husband, uh, when he first came to visit my family, he was amazed by how much we engaged in discussion with each other. His family discusses a lot of things too, but I think they don't go into the deep detail that we do. And so he was like, whoa, you guys are like sharing a lot. So I am comfortable with that and they are comfortable with that. But another person might feel that what's going on in their family is, doesn't work for them. And so they need to be open about that and see. And if you can't have that conversation, then maybe you don't go to dinner so often. Mm. Protect yourself. Right, absolutely. So how can we learn how to cope when we're enforcing boundaries with our family members? You have to have a coping strategy because um, I think that a lot of people um, initially go to like, well, I'll just stay away. And that may not be so good for you when all it would take is to just kind of have the conversation and then, I don't know, get a hobby. <laughs> do, some, <laughs> do some yoga or meditation before you have to you know, spend time with your family. Um, and as Ashley just said, 
um, limiting your time with them works well too. So maybe you don't go to every family cookout, every, every, you know, dinner party. If it's right. something special like a birthday or an anniversary, yes, but Friday night pizza and movie with your family, if there's always a blow up or a blowout, you don't necessarily have to be there because that's stressful and it stresses your body out and your mind out. So if you can limit your contact with them, that's okay too. What yeah. about you? What do you think? Um, I think of it kind of like how you would change a habit. It takes time to change a fine family dynamic. You have to give them some grace if they falter after you've told them your boundary. You might have to repeat it a bunch of times. So it takes some work. And for you to cope with that work, you may have to take breaks. Yeah. If it's something you really want to do, if you're like, I want to invest the time in helping my family understand this boundary and change the dynamic. If you're invested in that work, then you're going to have to incorporate rest into your plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I say maybe after going to several dinners where you have said, I don't want to talk about my weight and they keep doing it, but you still want to go to dinner, then take a break and then come back and do it again because they'll have to practice. And if you see them trying, then I think to give them grace, if they're not trying, if they really are invested in stepping on your toes, then I don't think you need to enter in the conversation again. I think that you can say, when you're ready to actually listen to me, let me know. Right, absolutely. That's not easy. We're not saying that that is something that you could just flippantly do. Right. But sometimes you have to make a decision for your own health, and that's it. I agree. So when we navigate the impact of unhealthy boundaries with our family, sometimes we take the same skills into the workplace. What would you say are three types of boundary crossers you've encountered in the workplace? People who don't respect your space, the ones who, well, my pet peeve is I'm on the phone and someone comes up to my desk when I had a desk and they're talking to me and I'm on the phone. Ooh, Yeah. The second one is someone who refuses to take no for an answer. I need this paperwork right now. Well, as you can see, I'm in the middle of something. Can you give me a few minutes and then I'll, I'll handle what you need? No, I need it right now. Uh -huh. mm. and, <laughs> um, let's see. I, don't, I can't think of a third one. I haven't spent very much time in an office, honestly. Is there anything from like the world of professional chefing? that could be a boundary? Because I think a lot of people would be interested in that if they're not familiar with that line of work. Uh, women often find themselves on the wrong side of unwanted advances mm -hmm. in the kitchen. It's just a reality. I think there are people in my industry that don't believe women have a place in the kitchen, in the professional kitchen, in the commercial kitchen. 
And so it, it um, manifests itself in their behaviors. Um, there was a specific incident where one of the people on our team made advances toward me and I literally had to like pick up a pen and say, hey, mm. please don't make me hit you with this pen. Right. And it's just, it's a sad reality. And so that's where in that situation, you really have to be strong and brave and vocal. You have to communicate your boundaries effectively and often and stand strong enough to enforce them. I think a lot of people listening will relate to that because there are sexism is definitely something that happens in a lot of workplaces and it's something that is a boundary breaker and oftentimes in the power dynamics between genders those who are male or um, identify as male may feel that they can step on your toes because society has allowed them so much power and that's something to keep in mind when establishing your boundaries that those dynamics are there for a lot of people in in many industries not just the culinary industry but all sorts of working environments right um my three that bother me personally are um, one communication outside of working hours that's like when people call and text and email and expect a response when you're off the clock Um, My physical space, like you were saying, I don't like when people hover over me while I'm working. Some people are fine with this, actually, but it's a boundary for me because it breaks my concentration and rudeness. Mm. Sometimes when people over-personalize their work, they can get angry or become rude if things don't go their way. At work, things should be discussed and compromises need to be made but discussions should never dissolve into personal attacks or trying to embarrass a coworker out of spite. I do think that our culture makes us feel like we are our work. Mm. Our work should be our passion. It should be our life. It's who we are. And if you are one of those people and someone tells you, no, it's, they take it so personally when really you're just establishing a boundary or it's actually not in your work duties. And so this can be really sticky when, when you have a coworker who really does think that they are their job because they will lash out at you when you're not doing what they think you should be doing. What do you think is the impact of avoiding or ignoring situations in the workplace that clearly invade your space and your ability to effectively perform your job? If you don't state your boundaries clearly, nobody will follow them. (laughs) We talked about this in the last episode. You'd be surprised how many people just expect you to uh, follow their boundaries without saying what their boundaries are. And the idea of common sense isn't common. We've said that before as well. That applies here. If you just ignore people invading your space, hoping that they'll get the hint that you don't like it, they won't get the hint. You'll just stay uncomfortable and you won't be able to do your job as effectively. I agree. Yeah, what do you think about avoiding or ignoring things in the workplace? 
Well, I mean, if you avoid and ignore things, resentment builds, and then before you know it, oh yeah, a lot happens. And the worst thing you can do is to blow up at work because it looks unprofessional. They're not going to, and you're, you know, you're leading with your emotions and no one's going to care that, you know, Karen took your lunch seven days a week. All they're going to see is here's this professional person acting out. And we're both black women. And when you are part of a minority group or underrepresented group, the option of blowing up when you're mad about something is just really not there. It's not there for most people, but it's particularly hard when you are a person from a marginalized community. Um, You're held to different standards, to be honest. And so if you are angry and you become that angry black woman that everyone's talking about, and then that follows you for the rest of your job, even though that was just one bad day, Um, There's a lot of tension around that. And so that's a really unfair thing that we experience. Be open and honest about how you're feeling right up front um, so that you don't have to blow up when it's, when it's time. There are times when you do have to be like, Hey, listen, you're doing too much. (laughs) Take yourself to the bathroom, collect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think people avoid dealing with issues because they fear confrontation and retaliation? Absolutely. And again, especially if it's the boss, (laughs) you don't want, you know, you'd like to keep your job until you can get a new one. So yeah, absolutely. And no one wants to be, no one wants to have confrontation and and feel like, you know, their job is in jeopardy just because they state, these are my parameters and I don't want you crossing them. No one wants that. No. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of people are stuck in places and dealing with issues like that at work because they're afraid. Yeah. There are definitely people at work who will balk at your statement of boundaries and confront you, but I think it might be less common than a lot of people fear it is. So I would suggest armoring yourself with some information. So is your boundary reasonable based on your job description? Go look at your job description. If somebody's asking you to take out the trash and you were hired to be the front desk receptionist, then that's not your job. So um, you can tell your coworkers or your boss politely that this is a boundary for you. This is not part of your job description. You won't be doing it. Then you've got kind of backup for what the boundary is that you're setting. I've found that most of the time coworkers are receptive when you tell them, hey, I don't want to answer emails after 5 p.m. And sometimes you empower them by setting your own boundaries. So your coworker might say, if she's not going to answer emails after 5 p.m., then neither am I. And so you start this like boundaries revolution at your office (laughs) where people are like, oh, I can do that. Right. So you may be not only empowering yourself, but empowering the community that you work in. That's right. That's right. Can I tell my story? Can I tell my boundaries story? Yes, please. I I had a boss once decades ago. But I happened to mention in passing that I start my day at 5.30 a.m. This woman called me Uh-oh. in that week. 
one morning it was like 5 30 and the phone's ringing and i was shocked but the most shocking part of that was that i answered the phone and i thought i am never one never telling anyone ever again what time i start my day <laughs> <laughs> and um not answering the phone I mean, it's okay to let a phone ring there's voicemail for a reason yeah, I probably would have answered the phone too, to be honest, because I would have thought it was an emergency. Right. It's just outrageous that people will call and they think, oh, I just have a quick thing to tell you. It's like, if it's not, if it's not that big a deal and it's just a quick thing, wait. <laughs> right. Wait until they're back at work. Yeah. But again, this is one of those issues where we say, yeah, that's what you should do. But there are people out there who really don't think it's a big deal. And so that's why you have to state your boundaries clearly. When you give people access like that to you, then to them, that means you don't have any boundaries. So they can just, I don't want to say walk all over you, but that's what it is. So keep right. that in mind. Right. And if you're the person who does that, I mean, acknowledge and be respectful of people's time. You know, not some people can clock out at five o'clock and be be done until the following day. And you need to be able to respect that and keep work stuff at work. And yeah. if it's that important, send it in an email and let them answer it when they have the time. Right. This is what I think is kind of interesting coming from our conversations because I've learned it as we've been talking. Do you ask people? what their boundaries are. It's one thing to express your own boundaries, but have you ever considered sitting down, especially if you're a manager or some, or a boss or working with other people, like what are their boundaries? Because maybe for you, a text at three in the morning is really not a big deal. Maybe mm. that really is you. Right. But you can't assume that most people are like that or you know, this person's 20 years old, so I, I'm sure they're up because I was up at 20. You don't know that. Take the time to ask about these things. Don't expect necessarily that people will tell you their boundaries. Just like don't expect people to know yours. Mm -hmm. It's got to be clear communication. So that's something that just kind of came to us while we've been talking. And it's been a really life-changing observation. It's like, wow, I can actually ask people what their boundaries are. Right. Absolutely. And they would appreciate that. Yeah. Then they don't have to feel uncomfortable because some people are uncomfortable with having to state what their boundaries are. Yeah. So you're opening it up and you're probably deepening your relationship with that coworker too. They're going to think, wow, Stacy cares about my comfort at work. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about unhealthy boundaries at work and stress. You know what I heard from Les Brown? Do you know Les Brown, the motivational speaker? No, I don't. Okay, well, you can look him up. We don't have time. Okay, okay. Anyways, he said that most heart attacks in the United States happen between 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock on Monday mornings. You know, that speaks volumes. That's awful. <laughs> That's terrible. There are a lot of people who are hating going to their jobs. I think that we, in this country, we're in the U.S., that we're not only overworked, but I said this earlier, that we tie too much of our identities to our work. And I can't emphasize this enough. You are not your job. Even if your job is your passion, you're not your job. So... I 
have a dream of being a full-time artist, doing nothing but getting up in the morning and brewing a fresh coffee and painting. But it's not who I am. If I go blind tomorrow and can't paint, that will be devastating experience, but I don't think it will end me because I know that I have value beyond my ability to paint. And I will look for something else to get into. I'll find another way to create that works well for somebody who's blind. The, anything can happen at any time. And so you have to be open for like life changes. And if you think that you are your job, then when things get stressful at work, it's you. You're the one with heart palpitations because something is due tomorrow and you're not ready yet. And this person's being annoying. And next thing you know, it's Monday morning and you've got chest pains because you have to go into this crazy environment and it's all, that's all you are in your mind. You can't tie your self-worth to capitalism, like making money and productivity. You, you have to be more than that. And you have to take care of yourself and setting boundaries will help with that. If your work environment is so stressful that you have heart palpitations the night before and on the morning of going to work, perhaps it may be time to reach out for professional help. So if there's a, if that's offered at your job or through your medical insurance, take that option. Because sometimes just talking to someone that you know who's close to you may not be enough. You right. Someone who's professional, who can give you strategies to overcome, because that's not good. That's, and while you're stressing out, it's, in, it's affecting your body. It's right. affecting how you, your body operates. And it could bring on other things like disease. And you don't, you don't need that. Not when it's not when, when all you have to do is just create a strategy to make things level and keep your sanity and your good health. And know that you're not alone. I went through something like this several years ago where I was working at a job where I would literally get sick mm. in the bathroom, like at work, because I was so stressed out. And so I had to make the decision to leave that employer but also learn how to disconnect from the drama of the workplace because some of it was brought on by my employer and the toxic environment. But some of it was also me feeling like the world would end if I didn't get everything right all the time. Yeah. And that's just an unhealthy way to think. And so if you can get professional help to help you navigate that, that can really help with work stress. So, Speaking of leaving, how do you know when it's time to move on from your employer? When it's making you physically ill, it's time to move on. Yeah. When, if you've established, if you stated your boundaries and people continue to, to overstep them and you're not able to do your job effectively with, and also without being extremely stressed, it's, it's time to move on because you're not being productive. And if you're not, and if it's, I mean, you can make a paycheck anywhere. You really could. And you could also do that without the stress and strain of a hostile work environment. We're not even going to say it's hostile. I'm not going to say it's hostile, but without, you know, stressful situations every single day for years and years and years. It's time to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to recognize that we are talking mostly about office work. There are people who are in 
working conditions that don't make it easy to just walk away from work or they have strong economic ties to the workplace. They need the job. They have bills to pay, kids to feed, all of that kind of stuff. And we understand that. And we're speaking from a privileged place. So we want to recognize you if you're out there going, I can't just quit. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that if your workplace isn't receptive to your boundaries and you can, it might be time for you to look for another job or switch careers altogether, make a plan. And I personally think that you should keep your job while looking for a new one, especially if you don't have emergency savings built up to live off of. There's a lot of media out there. You can find YouTube videos and all that stuff that romanticize the idea of quitting your job, throwing the papers in the air. I quit. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be this, that. It's really not that way. That's a romantic fictional reality for most people. So you have to really have a plan and you may have to stay there for a while, but let the plan keep you going. Right. As you're making it, let that inspiration of the plan and know that you can find a way out. And then last thing I want to say about this is that because there are workplaces that don't respect workers, we really need to vote for politicians and policies that give workers more rights. Not to get overly political, but I think we can all agree that workers should feel comfortable and protected in the workplace and they should be able to say hey i don't want to work past my hours i i signed up for a nine to five and that's what i want or i need a break i think you should be able to say those things or i'm not feeling some people have some people work in places where if you're not feeling well they don't feel comfortable and what we've learned from the pandemic is like if you don't feel good you need to go home mm-hmm And some workplaces make it so that you have to work through your migraine and your cough and all that stuff. And we just can't have that in society. So support people who are trying to make that change. What do you think are the best best practices for any that anyone can adopt and immediately apply to gain a sense of empowerment where their workplace boundaries are concerned? Um, I think you can ease into things by picking just one boundary and get your coworkers to adhere to it by establishing it right away. Here's an example. If you don't want to answer emails off the clock, when someone emails you, wait until you're back at work to reply. Don't reply to them and just think, oh, I wish they hadn't emailed me off the clock. Or don't reply to them and say, hey, don't email me like this again, because Mm -hmm. then that's adversarial. Mm -hmm. If someone asks you, hey, why didn't you, why did you wait till Monday to respond? You can plainly tell them that you don't answer emails after work or on the weekends. Um, I personally put my working hours in my email signature to remind Mm -hmm. people that my hours are from nine to five. That's a great idea. Yeah. So that is a great idea. How about you? What practices have you used? 
The practices that I use are I don't answer the phone after you know certain time. I don't answer emails after a certain time unless I'm expecting it. Um, when work is over, I'm I'm done until the next day, and I'm definitely going to implement. I'm going to add hours to my my stuff so that people can know. But basically, I let people know how much access they have to me and when, and we don't communicate unless there's an emergency outside of that, outside of that time. And it took me a long time to get there. It really did. And the, the breaking point for me was like, I was always upset. Why is she calling me? Oh my God, it's so late. Or it's like six o'clock in the morning. Why are you calling me? Well, duh. Because <laughs> <laughs> you answer. Right, exactly. Because you answer. And the expectation is that, oh, she's available. You're free. You're good. So telling people what your practices are gives you a lot of space to be okay. And I, so yeah, those, that's my practice. Okay. Now we're going to be talking about tips to establish and maintain healthy boundaries with family and coworkers. So these are some takeaways that you can establish. And again, like we always say, we're not experts. We are learning right. this stuff as well. Um, which is why we're talking about it with you all. So we want to hear from you. If you've got any tips, please share them with us. But Stacy, how about you cover family? What are some healthy tips for boundaries with family members? Surround yourself with people who respect you and your time. Doesn't matter whether it's your parents or your siblings, your cousins, they love you and that love will be um, expressed in the way that they um, respect you and your and value your time Good. become your own advocate because no one knows your needs like you do and you know what's important for you and it's important to to state that always state it up front so that people are clear about where you stand so there's no room for interpretation and you know blow-ups down the line or misunderstandings down the line right um, in terms of things like dinners and holiday, holidays, <laughs> before you get there, anticipate the landmines and develop an exit plan. And that exit plan may include you leaving, just removing yourself from the situation. So if you know that Uncle Howard's going to ask you for the 50th time why you're not married or when you're going to have a baby, when are you going to lose mm -hmm. weight, anticipate that. You already know he's going to ask the same questions. Have an answer for him that clearly state your boundary and you don't have to be mean you can be respectful and then move on from there and if he's still and if things you know still continue to push or escalate or make you feel uncomfortable have an exit plan already don't sit there choking on the turkey you know, <laughs> staring daggers at your sister because she told your secret at the dinner table just right like have a plan <laughs> And finally, oh, for me, um, be honest. Tell them the truth. You know, Uncle Jerry, I don't like when you talk about my pie. <laughs> <laughs> and be brief. You don't have to give them. You remember, I remember in 1995 when I was 12 years old and you said such and such. And now here I am, 25, and you're still doing the same thing. So be brief and be firm. You are an adult. Or you, if you're a child or a young adult, you're a person. You have a right to your opinions. You have a right to state your needs and to take care of your needs. So be firm. Be honest, be brief, and be firm. 
And all yes. they can do is either respect it or not. And if they don't, you have a plan. That's right. Remember this finally, remember, 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 no is a complete sentence. And you don't have to be afraid about disappointing anybody. They will get over it. And don't leave any room for your no to be a yes. So your no does not require a reason why. If you right. say no, because a lot of people will expect, oh, you said no, oh, because I have to pick up Timmy from practice. So that's why I can't go to your thing. No. Or, and, th and then you can't say no because I don't want to go because then they'll be mad. So just right. no. Yeah. And don't leave any room for your no to become a yes. And always acknowledge that your needs are important and stand firm in your decision. So don't say no. And then a day later, you change your mind and say yes, because then they're going to think you're a flake. And then they'll, right. know, they'll be confused about your boundaries. Right. They'll be confused about your boundaries. And then they'll, then, then they'll know that your no forever doesn't really mean no. Right. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? You're going to talk about workplace? Yes. Yes. Um, so some tips for boundaries at work. Be clear when communicating your boundaries. Do not hint to people that you don't want them to stand over you while you're at your desk. Tell them, I don't want you to stand over me at my desk. <laughs> Number two is don't break your boundaries once they're established. We just said that. If you don't take meetings at nine, then don't take meetings at nine. Once you establish it, stick with it. Number three is ask coworkers about their boundaries. Don't assume you know what their needs are. Number four is don't dis assume the worst. Most people are receptive to hearing you out. So give the conversation a try. We know it's nerve wracking, but again, it's not very likely that your boss or your coworkers are just gonna stomp away and be so upset because you don't want to answer the phone at 10 p.m. when you're at home. And remember, number five is remember that you are competent and capable. If a job is not for you, make a plan to find another job, especially if that job that you're in is toxic. Don't risk your mental health over work. And again, we understand that this is a privileged space and that not all people can find new jobs easily. And I've said before, my thoughts on that are to vote for politicians and support laws that afford more protections for workers. hear from you please let us know what boundaries you guys are guys gals and the non-binary are out there discussing um and using and implementing in your life let us know because we're always looking for tips ourselves i certainly am i am not always the best at saying no um i am i am relatively direct it's you think it's an age yeah, I think so. It comes with age, but I also have very good, going back to my family again, even though we share a lot, I have very good examples of people who are comfortable going no, um, especially my grandmother, who's probably listening as well. Hey, um, 
I sometimes say I have to channel her to build myself up because she is somebody who really doesn't care if it bothers you. If she has a boundary, she's going to tell you and she's going to stick with it. And so I try to think of her doing that as inspiration for when I need to. And so that has been very helpful to me to see and to that my parents and grandparents have modeled for me boundary setting. Yay. Yay. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss our future episodes and consider leaving us a rating in your favorite podcast app. Um, if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, email us at makingsapodcast at gmail.com. That's makingsapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much. We're so excited to be going on this journey with you all and hope to talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.